He's an old head. Youngins are really starting to get on my damn nerves. He's a purveyor of nonsense. He's a Georgia high school coaching job influencer. His favorite Bible verse is Jesus wept. He's the man of constant sorrow, Chris Lamb. Welcome to episode 11 of Sun Coaches Podcast, and today I have got with me a sitting head coach, Coach Frank Killingsworth from Early County High School, deep down in southwest Georgia. I worked with Coach Killingsworth for about five or six years while I was down at Early County. He is a good friend of mine. He's got over 30 years of experience in the business. He's been an administrator. He spent most of his career down in Southwest Georgia. He's one of my best friends, and more importantly, he's just one of the best people I've ever met. Coach, I should appreciate you being on. Oh, it's great to be on. Great to be on, Doctor. I tell you what, uh, there's nothing like being able to talk football in school. Uh, The general public don't believe our stories, but by God, they're absolutely true. Coach, could could you tell everybody, like, how you got started, where, you know, where, where was the first place, you know, when did you start coaching? First of all, like, like where, oh, where Lord. was the well, first place you started coaching? Well, first of all, let me tell you how I got into coaching and how I disappointed my whole family. <laughs> uh, I was a pre-law major and I was going into my last year of college and uh one of the finest coaches and people I ever knew, a guy I lived with in Thomasville, uh, Ronnie Jones, invited me to come down for two weeks and help coach a little football because one of his uh, coaches was out. I went down there and did it and, and fell in love with it and had to go home and tell my mama and daddy that I wasn't going to be a lawyer. I was going to be a football coach. And uh, graduated uh, from college. Oh, they were proud. They were proud, and they said, son, how are you going to make a living? I said, coaching, and they went, again, how are you going to make a living? <laughs> but uh, I got out of school. Uh, of course, I didn't have a certification. I started a place called Greenfield Academy in a place called Weston, Georgia. Now, Weston, Georgia is somewhere between Albany and Columbus. It, they're not quite sure where it's at, but because it's so little, ain't a whole lot to it. Uh, how little was the school? Well, the fire extinguisher man came to check the fire extinguisher, and we had one working fire extinguisher, and I, the principal would talk to the man, and I would replace the fire extinguisher. That man looked at the same fire extinguisher 10 times and <laughs> checked it off. So that's how little it was. Uh, but that was, my, that, was, that, that was my first experience at, at coaching and teaching was there at Greenfield, and I went what to Westwood, and... Oh my gosh! Uh, it was still in the 1900s. It was 1987. 1987. I know. I know. I, you know, it was back before they invented sunshine. It was a long time ago. Uh, and I went from there to to Westwood, in Camilla, and worked for Graham Lowe, one of the one of the winningest coaches there ever was. He he was a heck of a coach. And then I went to Calhoun County with Ronnie Jones again for six years and was the head coach there for three. And I went to Miller County and had the honor of working with uh, Ronnie McNeese in Miller County. Uh, Ronnie retired and I took 
Yeah, he's a legend. Oh my gosh, he's a legend. One of the finest humans I've ever known. Uh, would do anything in the world for you. Give you the shirt off his back. Uh, and taken before his time. Taken before his time. But uh, I was there 18 years. Head coach for seven. And uh, Trey Wolf got me to come over to Early County and work with a baseball coach there. As a, they had a guy named Christopher Lamb. Uh, the, the, the the one of the greatest baseball coaches ever, and uh, I had a big time doing that. Now, uh, Lamb's only problem was he liked to talk to the team when it was cold. It'd be darn six degrees out there, the wind would be blowing, and Lamb would get philosophical out there in the middle of the field. And I was thinking, oh my God, I'm gonna get some frostbite. I know that. I know but, how uh, you feel about been, cold weather. <laughs> yeah, I hate cold weather. I think either I was in a before life, either I lived close to the equator or I was one of those Bedouins that go around on the camels. Because <laughs> it, it gets below 70, I'm cold. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> no, um, I can, I can yeah. test that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'd be out there and that, that wind would be blowing out there on that baseball field. Good Lord, have mercy. But, uh, and then uh, fortunate enough to work with Trey and uh, uh, Joel Harvin. And then uh, Joel left, and I took over as head coach uh, this past year at Early County. Uh, I got a good bunch of coaches, got a good bunch of kids. Uh, hopefully, we can we can replicate the effort again this year. Uh, it's gonna be a little bit tougher, but hopefully, we can. Well, how much has so that that? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Ask away. I was just gonna ask how much over the 30 plus years you've been doing it. I mean, just how much have things changed as far as the game? So, well, just like coaching and kids and well, the the like you said, the game hasn't changed. It's still blocking and tackling and running. Uh, and I don't care what level you at. I don't care if you're in the NFL or if you're in college or where. It's all about blocking, tackling, and running. Um, and the thing that's changed the most, I believe, is one is the attention span of the children. Uh, their attention span is is just so it's so short, and I, I attribute that to the internet, all these games they play, um, and that is makes it tougher. It makes it tougher to teach them, uh, and. Also, I believe that the single, I'm gonna get in trouble for what I'm fixing to say next, so you might want to delete this. The single parent household uh, without the male figure in the household, it, it makes it difficult um, for, the, for boys. Uh, I just believe that. And I, you see it more and more now than you did back in the 90s. Uh, it's just more prevalent. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just how society has evolved. Um, but the kids are the same. The kids are basically the same. Um, and I don't know. It's it's harder to get kids to work because they have other things they can do. And uh, we got a lot of kids that are addicted to Freon. They like sitting in the air conditioner, and they don't get outside much. Uh, I got a buddy of mine down at Miller County. He was my defensive coordinator, Jason Houston. One Saturday morning, he called me up like at 8 o'clock in the morning, woke me up, and said, 
Hey, Kill. Guess what I just saw? I didn't know. I'm going to tell him. He said, I saw four kids out playing in a tree, driving down the road. And the thing about it, we well, don't see that much anymore. You don't see the kids out climbing trees and, and running. Uh, and it all goes back, I believe, to the internet, technology, and that kind of thing. Well, so it, it, that, that's the only difference. The game hadn't changed. The, and the kids are basically the same. It's just the environment they're raised in, I believe, that's changed. Now, you spent your early years working with Ronnie Jones. Give me a mm-hmm. good, what's one of the best stories you got from Coach Jones? Oh my gosh. Uh, well, well, first I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this one. Uh, I actually moved in with Coach Jones and his wife Beth uh, there in Thomasville because he had coached me in Phoenix City. He was just real good friends with my mama and daddy, him and Beth were. And my senior year, I went down there to school and thank goodness I did because I couldn't have passed college if I hadn't had that one year at Brookwood. Anyway, so me and Jones are up. He's, he stays up to all hours at night watching TV. So we were up watching a scary movie one night. And uh, well, let me back up. His wife taught CPR and had, had the dummies, the little mannequins for you folks that are certified as Annie. Remember, Annie, Annie. Wake up, Annie. She never did wake up. But anyway, so we watched a scary movie. And he gets up and goes up front for a little bit and comes back. I come back at the end of the movie and open my closet, and he has stuck one of the mannequins in my closet. I swear, and I, I, I've had a heart attack here lately, and I thought my heart had stopped back then. It was it was terrible. <laughs> and he would do stuff like that. He'd take those mannequins and put them in, in the house and say it was the old lady next door. Um <laughs> but I'll tell you this story. Me and me and Jones, we were at Calhoun County together. So he had this idea that he was going to get a black wreath and send it to the pep rally there at Calhoun County. Well, most folks don't know about Calhoun County. Calhoun County is in the middle of nowhere. Every, everything down here is in the middle of nowhere. We're all at least an hour from the nearest Walmart. But anyway, he sends that black wreath to the uh, pep rally. And the old folks walk in with the black wreath and he goes over there and he's acting like he's mad. And he reads the card, he said. It said, I forgot who we were, it might've been Macon County. I think it was Macon County when they had all them animals. CB Cornette was over there and they had, uh, it looked like they were in the NFL, the huge people. And uh, the card said, this is for y'all because tonight's your last night on earth. And he acted like he was mad and threw the thing down and kicked the, the wreath, trying to get the boys fired up. Well, we didn't know a whole lot about Calhoun County. Well, it had the complete opposite effect. Our <laughs> kids were deathly afraid. Our kids actually thought they were coming to kill us. And uh, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty at all. It was not, but uh, we we had all kind of stuff like that. That backfired. Oh, it it was tremendous. We we made a mental note from now on. Don't do stuff like that. Some places that works. It don't at Calhoun. Uh, <laughs> not then. Not not nineteen hundred ninety. Uh, but yeah, but Ronnie Jones is a, is a, is a he, he he's hilarious, and folks around the state know him. Uh, 
Heck of a football coach, too. Heck of a football coach. Y'all have all-star staff at Miller County. Coach Mack. We did. You, Coach Ingram. Who else was It was for – well, well, for three years, when we were when we had uh, Charles Grant and all them, it was just me, Alan, and Ronnie. And uh, later on, uh, Ronnie's son came to coach with us. Some uh, Jason Houston, who became my defensive coordinator, he finally came over. He came back home, but for three years it was us. And oh, I'm telling you now, that was that was back in the day when it was just different. It was just different. We did live punt returns, and there'd be folks peeling back on folks. Nowadays, you, you couldn't get away without without going getting sent to jail. But I'll never forget, we were sitting there one day, and the tornadoes broke out down here. Uh, we always have hurricanes and tornadoes, and there was tor- I mean, there was tornadoes like you could see them go over the field, like spinning. And so Ronnie, me and Ronnie and Alan are sitting there in that old field house. Was sit, actually standing outside, and uh, Ronnie was, was sitting there and he was smoking a cigarette. Back then, we smoked cigarettes, and uh, he looked up and said, "What you think it's going to do? You think we all send them home?" I said, "Look, it looks like there's a break in them." I said, "Let's send them home." Alan said, "Yeah." He said, "I don't know." He said, "We need to call somebody. What's the number to nine one one?" Now, if you, you you hold that just for a second. <laughs> and me and Alan looked at each other and said, Dang it, Ronnie, it's 911. Oh, I can't tell you what he said, but uh, <laughs> he wanted to know how to get in touch with the folks at 911. I said, Well, well hell, Ronnie, just call 911. Let's see what they'll say. <laughs> but uh, he wanted to know that it was, we, we had a, a big time, uh, the three of us coaching, and uh, Alan coached defense and then some offensive line. I, I was the offensive coordinator and coached uh, linebackers, and Ronnie coached DBs. Uh, and the great thing about Ronnie is Ronnie only worked on a kickoff return for one week during the preseason. That was it. We didn't work on it in any during the season. And I asked him one time, I said, hey, doctor, I said, how come we don't work on kickoff return? He said, well, if you got to work on kickoff return, that means they scored a lot of points, he said, and then it really don't matter. I said, I got you, doctor. So we, we did not work on kickoff return. But, and we, that, those years we really didn't need it a whole lot. Uh, I know we went like four games and never punted. That was pretty good. Um, well, back but then, that, that, I mean, that was, everybody had to coach everything, especially when you're at a single A school. I mean, everybody's yeah, coaching yeah. everything. And, and, Everybody's coaching everything. And that's why I tell these young coaches, you know, they come out and they go, I go, well, coach, what do you coach? I'm a defensive back coach. Really? Yeah, I coach defensive backs. I coach, or I coach corners. I, I coach linebackers, or I coach the left tackle. Well, to me, I think these coaches are missing out. I came up on the defensive side of the ball. Well, because I had to coach everything and know everything over there on the defensive side, I learned offense because I had to figure out what the offense would try to do versus whatever defense we put out there. So I eventually morphed into an offensive coach. These coaches nowadays, they, they want to learn one specific position 
and they're not big into they don't understand schemes or basic schemes they they want to throw all this cupboard 12 with a, a rotating star and all this stuff out there oh this this you know football is a basic game and these kids have to learn the basics you know and, uh, and these kids don't know the basics which, which brings me to my latest go ahead go ahead no, I was just it, which say, leads me to my, my down, when I got down to early it was four four mm-hmm. cover zero. That's all Mo did. Four four, yeah, four four. And you teach the kids to cover man. You teach the kids to block. I mean to tackle. And you keep teaching them to get hands on and run to the football. Go run to it. It's a simple game. That guy's got it. Go hit him. <laughs> and uh, that's it's pretty simple. But it, you know all that that scheme and stuff that brings me to my latest research I've been doing. I like to research stuff and and try to like like lamb try to find the end of the internet. <clears throat> and I have come up with this that I have found out that I did not know that the human brain the human brain wrinkles as it learns the more you learn the more wrinkles and folds that you have in your brain and I have come to the conclusion that some of these football players that we coach have smooth brains they're just like like bowling ball brains you know so that, that that that's gonna be my new thing is I I when these kids I wanna look at them and go hey that has got a smooth brain right there because it, <laughs> it's a smooth brain but I, I did not know that did you know that about the wrinkles <laughs> I was unaware yeah but yeah I, 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 that is it I love it look, look it up if you don't believe me that that sounds about right so, and we had some cue ball yeah. bowling ball jokers when we were down there together both football you know and straight yeah. <laughs> oh lord have mercy lord have mercy yeah well you, you know, know a lot of these and, metro atlanta guys and other people they make fun of us so that south georgia guys and they're like yeah down there they just play country cover three or cover zero well there's something to be said for that it's simple you don't want mm-hmm. those jokers having to think a lot. A, they're high yeah. school kids. Don't, you know, don't mm-hmm. uh, uh, paralysis by analysis, number one. Number two, you're coaching at a single A, you know, very rarely a double A school because there's not many big schools mm-hmm. down there. For single A school, those yeah. kids are playing four different positions because they're on all the special teams. They're playing offense and defense. Don't give them a whole lot to mm-hmm. think about on defense. You know? Exactly, exactly. You know, running hit. We were down there at Miller. Yeah, running hit. We were working down there at Miller County, and you got to teach them everything. We were working, and we played Headland, Alabama. Go, we all right down here, again up against Alabama and Florida. We can smell them from the house. And uh, we were sitting there, and this, uh, they always they ran a reverse. They ran a reverse every game, every game. So we had this. Deep, we were no five two with stand-up ends. And we told the old boy over there, said, all right, son, they're going to run the reverse. They're gonna, he's going to come right back to you. And we'd, every now and then, just run it in practice, just, just just throw it in there right quick. And I'd always blow the whistle because, you know, I just blow the whistle. And just make sure the kid was standing there. Well, we get in the game. And they, they get in the formation. We know it's coming. We holler. The old boy looks over there and just gives us a thumbs up. He knows it's coming. They run the reverse. My boy sitting there has a perfect defensive end stance. Knees are slightly bent. Arms are dangling. He's in a good hitting position. And the running back runs right by him. 
and we tackled him for about a 35-yard gain. <laughs> and we called him over there, and we said, look here. What are you doing? He said, Coach, I did exactly what you told me to do. I sat there and waited on the reverse. And we realized that this young man wasn't – he was – his brain was really smooth. Uh, we never let him tackle the guy. We just told him to be there for the reverse. And he was right there. So there you go. You got to teach him. And if you, you're sitting there teaching them too much, they ain't going to learn it. He did what you I don't know what was worth. He did exactly what he did exactly what we told him to do. And so we couldn't be mad with him. Had another one. So we working on pooch kicks. The pooch kick. And a lot of folks out there they see folks pooch kicking, they think it's a strategy. Nope, we just can't cover. We just can't cover the kickoff, so we pooch it. So we're working on it. And like everybody else, we take an offensive lineman and sit over there and let him catch the pooch kick when when the kicker pooches it over there. And we got the kids out there. They run down the field. They stop right there at the lineman. Well, we get in the ball game, and we pooch that thing there, and that ball hits the ground, and the old boy doesn't catch it. It just sits there. Well, our kid, my kid, runs down there and stands there and looks at it too. So you got the return guy looking at the ball, my kid looking at the ball. Nobody's getting on the ball. <coughs> Finally, somebody knew what was going on, came over and jumped on the ball for the other team. And I told the kid, I said, what are you doing? He said, I was waiting on him to pick up that ball, coach. I had failed to tell him that if the ball was on the ground when we pushed it over there to get on the ball because we had the fat lineman catching the ball every time. So yeah. I, I, I think that happens a lot. At, at every level. And the simpler the game, the more of that you can eradicate. All right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butt in right here and tell this story. And I'm going to do this a few times with you since we work together. And, and, and I've told this story to people, and they don't believe it. And, and it's probably better in person to demonstrate it. So people that are listening are going to have to use their imagination to visualize this. <laughs> and I hope you remember when this happened. Coach Wolf, Trey has sent me and you down there to go deal with punt. So we had the younger kid, you know, we, had, we tried to get some, you know, scrubby dub younger guys involved on special teams. Mm-hmm. And you were back there with the, the back wall. And we did spread, regular, and tight. And we were, mm-hmm. we'd done the spread, everything was fine. And we brought them in the regular, and I was dealing with the, the front line, and you had the back guys, the back wall, and the punter. And we had the older kids were kind of standing over there, kind of showing them where their where their lanes were going to be. And I said, the boy got in a three-point stance. Mm-hmm. I said, no, no, baby, no, get in a two-point stance. And he lifted his hand up, turned his head and looked at me, looked at his hand, made two fingers, and then put those two fingers right back on the ground. It absolutely happened. And I looked at you, and you just started laughing. All those older kids just fell out on the ground, dying laughing. And the poor little baby said, well, Coach, ain't nobody ever told me before what a two-point was. (laughs) There you go. It happened. It 
people, it absolutely happens. Let, let me expound. Let, at, the, at the ground. <laughs> at the ground. Did a peace sign and put them down. <laughs> let me expound on this young man if I can. This young man played right field for my JV baseball team that he's talking about that put the two fingers down. <laughs> and we taught him when the ball comes to hit you, you catch it and you throw it to the second baseman. So it, we'd be out there in practice. We'd hit it out there in the right field. He'd catch that thing. He'd throw it to that little second baseman every time. Boom, boom. Had it down pat. Well, we were over at Dothan, Alabama, playing a little old private school over there, and they hit a, a pop fly just over the second baseman's head. Well, the second baseman was out there running like a wild man, and my right fielder, who put the two fingers down, is running like a wild man after the ball. Well, it goes over the second baseman's head when my right fielder scoops that thing up. Well, they pass right there amongst the ball. And so, basically, the second baseman ended up in right field, and my right fielder ended up up there where about second base would be. Well, my right fielder, with the ball, turns and throws it back to the second baseman out there in right field. (laughs) Well, I sat there, and I was fixing to say something. And I realized that he did exactly what we taught him. He threw it to the second baseman. Now, I guess if that second baseman had gone to the, up there to the concession stand and bought him some good boiled peanuts and a Coca-Cola, he would have slung it up there too. I don't know. But all I know is he threw that thing back out in right field. You know, and, and of course, all the parents were going, oh, what's he doing? What's he doing? And I said, shh, he's doing exactly what we told him to do. <laughs> he's exactly. well coached. <laughs> he is well coached. He is well coached. And I've that, told that, people that for same years, year. I've told people for years, I'm like, listen, we didn't have baseball players. We might have had two. Mm. We had athletes that we taught how to play baseball. And they, they were pretty, mm-hmm. they weren't bad. You know, mm-hmm. they, they could hold their own, and we played really tough non-region schedule and because our region schedule was bad enough, you know, with Thomasville, Fitz, Gerald, and Berrien, and then Brooks was mm-hmm. the other team in our region. So, you know, I always scheduled, you know, I knew to try to get ready for the playoffs. And I'd just tell them, I'm like, look, we had hella athletes. They just weren't, you know, they didn't grow up. Baseball was like a secondary sport. I said, man, it was like being in a witness protection program. I could walk through Blakely, and people knew I mm-hmm. coached. And they're like, well, coach, what do you do in the springtime? Oh, I coach baseball. Hey, we got a baseball team? Man, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, I bet them boys have a big time. When's yeah. football practice start? Yeah. What them boys going to look like on Friday this fall, coach? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And 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 the thing about it is, I don't know. We, we we just had a good time, and you know, at some point, I think uh, especially the and I'm I'm I know I'm harping on the young coaches. I guess I used to be a young coach too. I used to be the one that had to read the phone book. I don't know if folks know what a phone book well is nowadays, but I had to read it. Anyway, they think that they forget that the game's a game. You know, you're supposed to have some fun at some point. And it doesn't matter if it's baseball, basketball, uh, the one they do where they got the stick that throws the ball. What's that? Lacrosse or football mm. or anything like that. You, you got to, at some point, you got to have fun and you got to have fun with the kids. You got to laugh with the kids because if you don't, you will go absolutely insane. Because we had some Because they will drive you insane. We had some dudes between Latarius, Ladarius Teal, mm. Calvin mm-hmm. Brown. 
You got Jay mm-hmm. Cooper up there that looks like a 34-year-old man. At war number mm-hmm. 34. I remember the other teams would be like, hey, man, is that your age you wearing on your shirt? And then go, Early County, we thought we was playing a baseball team, not a football team. Well, actually, since you brought that up, um, he's our starting left tackle. Our starting defensive tackle is our first baseman. Our shortstop mm-hmm. is the quarterback. Only the catcher mm-hmm. and the second baseman were the only two kids we had that didn't start on the football team. Well, the football team, yeah, yeah. I mean, we looked like a football team. We didn't have no fighters. We were, we nobody were here. We, fight us. No, we, <laughs> no. Oh gosh, no. We, no, nobody threw at us. But uh, <laughs> it, it was, it was, and, we, and they yeah. were good youngins. God, I miss those kids. They were. Oh good. yes. I mean, oh, and, and, Tripp, and they Tripp turned McDonald's out to be good young men. My favorite kid ever. I mean, I love Trill. Mm-hmm. Like, he was my favorite. I wasn't even close. Hey, now that we've gone through time and and the, like like the Kennedy thing, the time's gone by. We can we can tell stuff. Uh, has he ever he ever told you about Mount Vesuvius? No. Trill. Really. Uh-huh. All right. So whenever you would get all upset. And get all all ticked off. You never went straight from zero to a hundred. You would always kind of build. You'd build up to it to a crescendo of, of anger and rage. Uh, so me and Trip would be back there talking, and uh, we would predict what it was going to be, if it was going to be just a little tremor, or if it was going to be just a. a a, a little thunder shower, or if it was going to be a Mount Vesuvius, which, which was this scorched earth. And uh, we'd sit back there and he'd go, Coach Keel. I go, What trip? He said, He's finna go Mount Vesuvius. I said, You think? He went, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Coach. He's fixing to go. And sure enough, you, you, you'd get out there and you would go Mount Vesuvius. Oh, uh, I love it. Oh, oh gosh, Johns. yes. I mean, Mason Johns mm-hmm. one of my favorite kids I've ever coached, one of the best I've ever coached. You know, he and, and coaching those kids helped me de- develop a huge distaste for college coaches and, and the scouting process mm-hmm. because there's no way they shouldn't have been playing places. You know, it yeah. was so yeah. deep down there in the woods they didn't get the same exposure as other people and I'd take them places and I'm you know I'd sit there and listen to the other guys going well he's better than anybody we got and then the coach would be mm-hmm. like oh well I just don't know I'm like this kid's smart he's number two in his class he's gonna be free he's a Zell Miller kid you don't think he can play here well hell this might yeah. be why y'all ain't winning no games here at A-back or wherever you know mm-hmm. wherever yeah. we went you know and, and those kids have turned out to be good young men Oh, well, they had good moms uh, and daddies. I mean, they came to us. Yeah, yeah. Already. Yeah. Calvin Brown still calls yeah. me Still calls me pops. I, mean, mm-hmm. I miss those kids. And, you know, mm-hmm. those guys, they're easy to coach. I mean, that's nothing. Yeah. Uh, the t- South Georgia kids, they're easy to, they're pretty easy to deal with. Yeah, and, and they're tough. Uh, I know folks that's left South Georgia and gone other places up in other parts of the state and just had problems because their kids just aren't as tough. You can't coach outside of Southwest Georgia 
the way we can coach in Southwest Georgia. And I'm not saying that as a derogatory thing that we're just out here doing all kind of terrible stuff, but we can put more pressure on our kids. Uh, we, we take them out, and, of course, we're within the heat guidelines, but it, it gets really pretty scorching out here, and still you can practice, and, and we're out there getting after it, and our kids are just getting after it. Well, uh, their parents expect that's all they know. to be that hard on them. Their parents oh, yeah. Baby. Oh, yeah, because their parents expect you to hammer their heads. You know, mm-hmm. they don't baby them. They get mad if you try to take up for them. You're like, whoa, hold on now. We need to back off of them a little bit. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. You better tear my baby's yeah. butt up. And plus, the, yeah. the thing yeah. that's cool to me, and I know you probably got this at Miller, the thing that was cool to me about early coach was, they were they had Trey and Mo and all of them and Craig and all of them had been together for so long they were starting to get into second mm-hmm. generational kids. You know, yeah. They, coached, yeah. they had coached you know, I heard Kerry tell a bunch you know, Kerry Morris was our DC. I I'd heard him tell a bunch of them youngins, I whipped your daddy's behind, I'll beat your behind. I mean <laughs> and and the daddy yeah. would be like, yeah. yeah, and I expect him to. You know. Yeah. Just a different yeah. and, mindset. And uh you know I think young coaches nowadays coming out, I think their mindset is that I need to be this highly technical guy that's going to go out and, and, and preach technique and preach scheme and all that, and they don't preach toughness. You know, every now and then in practice, I think it's, you got to have something called a bloodletting. Um, now, as a, as a history man, let me tell you what a bloodletting is. Back in the old days, they thought that if you were sick, you had to get the, the impurities out of the blood, so you just you just drain a little blood out, and the impurities would go with it. Well, sometime in football practice, you got to get out there and go one on one, and you got to just hit each other to beat the impurities out of each other, and it makes you it makes you tougher. It makes you tougher. If it's tough in practice, it's easy in the game. If the game is harder than practice, then we're not practicing right. I believe that. Well, I, I got some other uh, stories that you and I were both involved in. I remember um, you worked down in a part of the school called the Dungeon. The Dungeon, I did. I love the Dungeon. And you were teaching econ and world history. And mm-hmm. we had a... a we had a math teacher that was a tap teacher, and she lasted about two weeks, and she tapped out at 9.30 during break on a Tuesday. And our principal came and asked me to teach math. Mm-hmm. And I said, sure, if you'll leave me alone. He said, yeah, that ain't no problem. I'll, you, I, I got to have you. So I started teaching math. Well, anyway, me and Kiel start. I, I got one of my sweet, sweet babies. I said, hey, man. Go down there to Coach Kiel's class. He's on the opposite end of the school. Go down there to Coach which Kiel's is, which, class. Which, which, which is about 200 yards away, by the way. Oh, yeah. And just in the middle of class. And there, there wasn't no wandering around our school. I mean, when, when the bells uh-uh. rang, they were in class. Don't let them out for anything. There wasn't none of this weird bathroom break or nothing. No. Uh-uh. No. You in there teaching and learning. So mm-hmm. I send this young man down to Coach Kill's class. Ask, go down there and ask Coach Kill if he's got that left-handed stapler 
that I let him borrow. But yes, sir, absolutely. So he goes on down there. Antonio, what was that boy's name? Anyway, send him down there. Well, he comes back about five minutes later. Hey, man, you got that stapler? No, Coach Kill sent me back. He said he ain't got that stapler, but he wanted to know if you had that light bulb oil he sent down here to you. <laughs> and we sent him back and forth. And finally, Mr. Yarbrough pulled me off to the side. He said, I see that boy walk up and down this hallway one more time looking for some stupid whatever you and Keel got him stupid. looking for. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get both y'all. Oh, <laughs> uh, we had we him looking for a, a bag of curveballs, the key to the uh, batter's box, brick stretchers, everything. Absolutely. Oh, those were the days. And I was co-teaching before that. I was a co- I was special ed co-teaching, and they put me in Keel's class, and he was teaching world history. And these kids were taking notes, and now. You know, I was in there, so it wasn't your road scholars. And a lot of smooth brains. Smooth brains, a lot of smooth brains. Mm-hmm. And you were up there telling, and I've told everybody this story, about what a great teacher I thought you were, how you were able to just, you know, go wrong whisper. And you're up there talking mm-hmm. about Prince Henry the Navigator. And I would get so I would just raise my hand. And the kids are sitting there taking uh-huh. notes. They're writing in their little uh, graphic organizer you had for them or whatever. And and I'd raise my hand. And you go, yes, Coach Lamb. And I'd go, Coach, didn't he play uh, for y'all at Calhoun County? And you go, he sure did. He was our starting shortstop and uh, our slot receiver at Calhoun County. <laughs> and those kids would be like, well, how about that? And you'd be like, yeah, his brother <laughs> lived on that dirt road down there. And it didn't matter. It could have been Adolf Hitler. It could have been. It could have been President anybody. John F. Kennedy. It could have been anybody in world history. And I could raise my hand and say, Coach Kill, did, did you coach him? And every time you wouldn't even miss a beat, you'd go, yes, he was our quarterback on the 19 whatever. And the kids never admit, and they go, oh, how about that? And then you'd be like, and their mom and them still live. If you go down that dirt road past that meat processing plant, not the first one. And some of those kids, the some second of those kids go, I know, coach. I know where that's at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He dated my aunt. I mean, they would, they would be in there. But the best of all time. And I, I, I almost interrupted you earlier when you said about the kids playing in the trees. The best thing you ever did. And it almost caused the fist fight in class. When you showed that YouTube uh, thing about the man with the marshmallow trees. The marshmallow trees. Yes. It was was terrible. All that rain, marshmallows, ain't going to make a crop. They got to rot. All right, so... (laughs) For those of y'all that have never seen this video, Kill has found, because uh, as he said previously, he don't mind trying to get to the end of the internet. So Kill has found this YouTube video of this farmer in North Carolina, and they had made it, it's from the 80s, the 90s, early 90s, and it made it look like a real, like a, an actual news story. And this guy has got some peach trees in the wintertime, He's gone out there and put marshmallows all over the peach trees. And they're talking to him about his marshmallow crop. 
and it's about a seven, ten minute video. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about how the rain's been so bad that he don't know if they're going to be able to make any crop. And what we were, t- it was economics class, and we were talking about supply and demand and things that affected. And, and Kiel would take these two big sticks and use them to show the kids, you know, when supply goes up, demand goes down, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So he shows them his video, you know, because it was one of those new age teaching techniques we were supposed to use to just break up the yeah. lecture. So two or three of the kids are sitting there going, this ain't real. But the majority of the class is like, well, it's a news thing. He wouldn't be real. And Kiel's up there just serious as a heart attack, just standing there watching it and explaining. Now, what do y'all think this is going to do to that man's supply? Well, coach, he said he got and, and the, 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 ain't going to have none. Well, what's the demand? Price of marshmallows going up. Mm-hmm. Marginal costs. And <laughs> these two girls up front, one of them goes, Man, Coquille, you know marshmallows don't grow on those damn trees in the girl next to them. Yeah, they do. Look, they right there, they're growing on trees. And they finally got the And we finally had Oh, right. That was and, great. Okay, okay, folks. They're, they're right. They're not. But, I, you know, I believe to this day there, there's got to be some kid from that class that's, that is eating some marshmallows going, I remember when they almost didn't have no marshmallows. Coach Keel said. <laughs> and I, you and I's the favorite, you and I's favorite kid that we ever had in there. Q. Hugh. Hugh. <laughs> yes. Hugh. Hugh could throw that baseball up there. Might ride that thing up there about forty six miles an hour. Y'all. We had this good old I mean, oh. just a good old boy. Just simple Jack. Q. And he would tell us that every year he was coming out for baseball and he was like, yeah, I can run it up there pretty good and kill. Of course, being killed, stirring him up. Mm-hmm. Well, Hugh, how, how fast you think reckon you throw it up there? I can run up there about 46 miles an hour. And one day this little girl said, well, Hugh, I, I don't know a lot about baseball. And even I know that ain't worth crap. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you have a band coach? Uh, no, he, Oh, yeah, he, he had all the instruments. He, yeah. God, what what did he do? And he had the instruments and was going to start a band. Uh, I, know, I know he did buy a four-wheeler and financed it for, his parents financed it for $4,000. And it broke down a week after they had it and didn't run for like three years while they paid it off. Uh, what did he do with the, the musical instruments? You bought oh, those gosh. instruments and you, because he was playing the guitar. Yeah. And you yeah. asked Hugh why he bought the the drums and everything mm-hmm. else because he couldn't do nothing but play the guitar. I mean, he couldn't play one instrument at a time. And he said, Well, mm-hmm. I'm going to get the band together. And that, if any of them quit the band, I'll still have the instruments and I can still form another band. Yeah. And <laughs> you told him you thought that was. was. You told him you thought that a was. A brilliant idea. A brilliant idea, young man. That way, you told him the, you made you, the, you said one of them old classic rock bands would still be together if they'd have done that. <laughs> yeah, what's that? Oh God, the Hugh Band. I forgot the Hugh Band story. That's right. And uh, I said, and it doesn't matter who your drummer is. You always gonna have the drums. He goes, that's right. That's right. That's right. 
Oh, and he was so fired up because I got a new truck. And he said, that's one of them where the blinkers, you just turn it on and it'll blink about four times and stop, coach, when you're changing lanes. I said, really? He said, that's right. That's right. Golly, you. Oh, you know, people miss out in the world. They, they You know, we, we got a really good job. We get to meet all these kids and all these characters and do all this stuff. And the rest of the folks are out there darn selling stuff and and working. And the state of Georgia wants huh. us to teach the hues of the world calculus. Oh my gosh. When, when, yeah. when all he wants to do is work on a, on a truck. That's it. He wants to work on a truck and work, work for some, a farmer, work driving a tractor. And that's all that, somebody's got to drive that tractor. And it's he. Well, well let me uh, ask you this. Who was the best Besides Charles Grant, who was the best football player you you coached? Not seen in person, but coach. coached. Coach. Best high school football coach. player. Best high school. Uh, oh, gosh. Uh, Charles might not have been the best. He was uh, – I coached – I'm going to say I got three of them. The first one was at – uh, Calhoun County coached a guy named Jake Fleming. Uh, Jake went on and started offensive guard at Georgia for three years. Uh, he was 6'3", 220 when we got there, and he was just, he was uh, going to his junior year, and he was like freakishly fast. I saw him pick up a fumble at clinch and go 80 yards and outrun all those animals. Uh, the next one, the next best one is getting a Jawan Jones. Jawan Jones, he was number 99 uh, for me at Miller County. Jawan was 6'1", 220, probably ran about a 4'5", He returned punts, played defensive end. Uh, and we were coming back from Clinch County. We'd been over there in a war. We used to have some wars with them. And, uh, he said, Coach, I had three pancakes and two flips. I said, Juan, what the heck's a flip? He said, a, a flip. I had a flip. I flipped him. Oh, okay. So Sunday, we're watching the film, and I, I tell Houston, um, my defense coordinator, I said, he said, Juan was telling me about the flip. He said, yeah, he was telling me about that, too. And we looked, cut the film on, and sure enough, he hit three folks so hard that they did a flip. A literal flip, like he hit them face up, and they they landed with their feet the other way on their stomachs, like a complete flip. I said, "Well, dang!" And he was just a beast. The best football player I've ever coached was a guy named Cosby Salter. Uh, Cosby had a real smooth brain, but Cosby could do anything. He could play offense, defense, run the ball, catch the ball. He had the best ball skills I've ever seen. Uh, uh, he just, we, he, he couldn't pass, back then he had to pass the SAT and all that. And he went to a junior college out in California. I don't know how I found it, but it did. <coughs> and he went out there and stayed about a month and was just ungodly. 
and then came home. So he's walking around Cockwood somewhere right now, but he is by far the best football player. Not the best athlete, maybe, but the best football player I have ever, ever, ever seen. Who was the best uh, you coached against? Oh, the best I ever coached against. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, oh, oh, I know. It's two of them. They both played for Macon County back in the early 90s. Uh, one was named Plant, not Robert Plant. He plays the for uh, Pete Floyd. Uh, God, what was his name? His last name was Plant. Uh, and the other kid went to Georgia, and I have forgot his name. Uh, Roquan. No, no, it was way before. Hang on, this is the early 90s. Uh, he, went, he started Georgia. Plant had to go to uh, Georgia military, and our middle Georgia, I think, might have had a team back then. Anyway, he got in trouble there, but uh, they were both 6'4", 240, and could run like deep, like run like deer. Uh, Plant, they played a 5'2". Plant played the inside linebacker, and this other kid, we called him Abdullah the Butcher. Uh, it was a wrestler 100 lifetimes ago. And, uh, God, it's not Cornelius Elmore because he played at Charlton. I forgot this kid's name. But they were the two best football players I'd ever seen. They, I, it ain't like you. Uh, what's the guy, Reed, that you saw play? No, what was his name? The one that you, uh, Barry. Oh, yeah, Eric Barry. Eric Barry, that, that's yours, isn't it? He's so, one, yeah, he was those, pretty good. Megatron, he was good. I mean, uh, just well, different I, level. I coached against uh, Boss Bailey. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, he wasn't He wasn't mad. He caught a punt <laughs> down there at Charlton. He caught a punt on us and hit the sideline and came down and, and literally kicked the yard marker out of the guy's hands, uh, the the chains, kicked it out of his hand and scored a touchdown. And then the referee still saying touchdown. Said, no, he didn't run out of bounds far enough or something. I don't know, but all I know is <laughs> on film, you can see him knock the, the, the stick out of the man's hand when he runs by. So, But he he, he pretty good, too. Well, where's pretty your, good. Where was your, where's the best place you've worked, or they've all been good? Believe, uh, they've all been good. They've all been good. Uh, you know, I have been fortunate enough to be in situations where the eight to three o'clock has been good. And then the football is just icing on the cake. <clears throat> you know, if you can work somewhere where you don't mind getting up and going to work and going through the day and going through class and all, then that make you know the football is gonna be good. It, it really is. Uh, all of them have been pretty good. Um, I don't know. And at different times, you know, one might be a little bit better than another. My first three years at Calhoun County were wonderful. Um, the All my years to the last two were wonderful at uh, Miller County. Uh, my time at Early County has just been outstanding. Uh, so, I, and I, I think that, I don't know if it's luck, 
or you just have to look. You know, you got you got to kind of look and see. Because a lot of times, what's on the outside ain't what's on the inside. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I had somebody uh, ask me today that's moved down here, and he's been a college in the college game. He's been in Georgia for a couple of years, and he said he thought he was ready to be a head coach. And he wanted my advice as to what, you know, I thought he should do or, you know, just anything I could tell him that might help him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I'll send you the presentation I gave, you know, listen to my podcast when I talk about it because, you know, there's a lot of things. And the number one thing I told him was to choose wisely. Because these uh-huh. days, I don't know if you get another opportunity if you go somewhere and it, and you can't get it right. But then again, your first one might not be the greatest place on earth. Mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah, I mean, a lot of folks come in and coach for two years, three years, and think, hey, I'm ready to be a head coach. Well, let me tell you, I coached two years of football at Westwood, and then three years at Calhoun, then I became a head coach. I didn't know what was going on. I thought I did, but you are not ready for what comes with being a head coach. Um, between dealing with little stuff like equipment, uh, scheduling practice, pre-game meals, you know, then you got to deal with parents. Uh, a long time ago, uh, at Ronnie McNeese, he had a pond house. And the coaches from Bainbridge and Seminole County and Miller County and Early County, we would meet out there at the pond house and eat fish and talk football and consume adult beverages. But one night we decided we were going to figure out the best coaching job on the planet. Of course, it was late and the adult beverages were flowing freely. So we came up with this, an Amish orphanage for boys in Hawaii. And this is why that's the best job on the planet. Amish orphanage for boys in Hawaii. Best job, all right? Amish because they work hard. They're hard workers. Orphanage because you don't have to deal with parents. No parents. <laughs> For boys, because you add girls in the situation and the boys go crazy. In Hawaii, because <laughs> it's Hawaii. Come well, on. Yeah, I mean that sounds, a, sounds like y'all had it figured out. Oh, we had, it, it took it took a while, and there was we actually had like a board and we were scratching stuff off, you know. <laughs> and and I actually the thing the Amish orphanage for boys it. You know, we, we got it pretty quick, but we never could figure out where. And finally, somebody, one of the boys from Bangor said, well, crap, I just want to live in Hawaii. And we went, you're absolutely right. So do we. So that's, that was where we, that's, and if that job exists, I'm sending my resume tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So That would be great. Well, how much longer <laughs> are you going to keep doing this? You know that's a good question. People ask me that. I could have I could have walked away three and a half years ago. Uh, I could have jumped. I'm right here on the river, uh, literally on the river, and uh, 
so I'm close to Alabama. I, I, I think I might try to peg out at 40 years in Georgia, but I, I don't know, I feel good, my health's good, I'm enjoying the job, I'm enjoying the children, I work with really good people. Um, now that might change tomorrow. I might go in there and the apocalypse has struck early county and, and the crazy stuff's happening, but I don't think so. And so as long as I got, you know, everything going good and I don't mind getting up, I think I'm gonna hang with it. Well, that's awesome, man. Uh, I sure have enjoyed talking with you. I'm glad you could be on and share some stories with us. Love to have you back on because we just scratched the surface of 33 years of <laughs> foolishness and nonsense and smooth brains and alien there you go. and zombie apocalypse. Oh, they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it, it happens. It happens. Look around. Look around. Don't believe me. Look around. And I can't wait. And, and I, 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 we need to do more. We need to do this again. I've, I've enjoyed it too. Uh, and I can't wait till we get together and play golf again, whether it's down there at the state park or you come finally come up here. And we ain't far from America's well, now. When you go see them grandbabies, you can just ride on over here to Hawkinsville and we'll we'll play golf. I mean, I live on a golf course. I have my uh, own golf cart uh, now. We uh, throw them on the back. There you go, up to the wheel. Well, that's true. Hey, you got an open invitation. There you go. Anyway, Coach, I sure do appreciate it. All right. And we will talk to you later.